The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. Hey, hey, Friday is upon us again. Welcome to the Disability Law Show. This next half hour is going to be a key for you, so stay tuned and feel free anytime to reach out to Savannah Tamarkin, co-founding partner, Sam Firu Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. We got to Albert here as well. Albert is going to be uh, chiming in. It's been a while since we had our good pal Albert on the show, but lots to say, lots to do, so we'll get to that. That number to reach out to either and their uh, respective teams, one 855 and you have help at disabilityrights.ca. And there's also ltdfaq.ca. Memos about LTD. Really simple to read. Really simple to navigate. ltdfaq.ca. Uh, so, a lot of stuff to get through. Savan, kick it off, pal. What do you got to uh, to open up the show? Hey, John. Yeah, absolutely. No, LTD is a big thing here for us at the firm. Uh, we have a focus and an expertise in long-term disability claims, employment claims, uh, and we also do a lot of personal injury claims, especially mm-hmm. the more serious types of accidents, not just car accidents, but slip and fall. So let, let me tell you about an interesting call that I had earlier this week. And when I described it, I gave you my thoughts on it. I, I want Albert's thoughts on it as well, because he's handled quite a few of these more serious uh, injury cases in the past. So I, I got a call from a, a lady. She is in her early 30s. Her mother, who is in her early 60s, Uh, was injured last year as a result of a slip and fall. So this was around, I think, late uh, November. It was very icy around uh, um, one of the plazas where she lives in the the GTA. And, uh, you know, she slipped and fell uh, on ice there. The area was not properly maintained. And as we've talked about on the show before, there is an obligation on whoever is in charge of the area. We call them an occupier under the Occupier's Liability Act. That's the law that we have in Ontario that deals with this kind of stuff. Uh, They have an obligation to make sure that these properties are reasonably maintained for the safety of patrons, visitors, etc. So this lady, early 60s, falls down, breaks her hip, uh, and, and actually has a concussion as well. So she's not in a good state. And before the accident... Before the slip and fall, she actually was doing very well. She was living with her husband. She was independent. She was taking care of the grandkids, all that kind of stuff. In fact, here and there, she was also doing a little bit of work, um, you know, for some money. After the accident, she needed surgery, very intense surgery, uh, actually two surgeries because it was a complication from the first one. And, and even more than that, she's not mobile. She can't walk now. Uh, So she has difficulty at home. They had to do a whole bunch of stuff at home to accommodate her. Her family, especially her daughter who had called me, uh, actually had to reduce her hours at work. She's a nurse by profession. She had to reduce her hours so she can take care of her mother. And so her her question was, they've notified the, the plaza owner back then of the injury, and they've been going back and forth with the insurance adjuster. By the way, as a caveat here, be very careful of dealing with insurance adjusters. They're not, they're not bad people, uh, except that their job is to either not pay you anything for your injuries or to pay you as little as possible. Uh, the good thing here is that they haven't agreed on any amounts here, but the adjuster was throwing around numbers in terms of what the insurance company was going to pay this lady, this, this injured lady, uh, and it was in the vicinity of $25,000. Now, let me give you some context here, John. And again, Albert's going to chime in as well. When you're dealing with a hip fracture for an elderly person, 
just the pain and suffering component, if there was a legal claim here, uh, assuming we can establish liability, meaning that the plaza owner was at fault for the accident because they didn't maintain the area properly, just the pain and suffering component here could easily be in the $100,000 mark. It can be a bit less, a bit more. But I'm not even going to focus on that. And I'll tell you why. The fact that she's not mobile now, the fact that her daughter needs to take less uh, shifts at work so she can help her mother, the fact that they've had to spend money to remodify the home, mm -hmm. all these things are compensable. So oftentimes when people are injured in a slip and fall or a car accident or any other kind of, of, of scenario, usually they focus on their pain and suffering. But the reality is that in the more serious types of claims out there in Canada, the pain and suffering component of a damages award is actually usually much less than the other uh, types of damages. So let's talk about the other types of damages in personal injury in Canada. So you have pain and suffering. You also have income loss. If you're unable to earn income or your ability to earn income has been compromised, maybe you're working less hours, maybe you can't do overtime hours like you did before, maybe you just started a business. There is even the concept of a loss of competitive advantage, meaning right. that you can work the same hours, but now you're not going to be as competitive in the workplace if you lose your job. Because, you know, presumably other employers who know that you're injured may you know, they may not tell you this, but they may not want to hire you. So there is that loss of edge in, in, in the competitive uh, marketplace that we have. There is that. There is also uh, future care cost treatments. You know, if you need help and this lady is going to need a lot of rehab, who's going to pay for that? It's not necessarily all going to be paid by OHIP. It's not all going to be paid by, you know, benefit plans that you may have through work or privately. There may be other expenses. Well, that's all compensable. You should be able to get reimbursed for that. And then there is the other thing here, which is something that, again, most people are not aware of, which is that under our laws, especially in Ontario, there is what's called the Family Law Act. And there is a section in the Family Law Act that entitles family members who are now providing certain services to the injured individual to get compensation for that. In fact, they can even get compensation for the fact that they don't have the same family member, that now this lady has you know, an injured mother. My point is this, John that you can have a case like this for this lady, this injured lady, who otherwise might, people may think, okay, for the pain and suffering she suffered, the insurance company should be paying her about a hundred grand, but this case can actually be worth a lot more than that. It can easily reach three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars in value because of all the other damage categories that are around there. And so the point that I'm trying to make here is that if you or someone you know is seriously injured, please, please reach out to us. It costs nothing to talk to any member of our team. We do this day in and day out. We advise people. We do this show. We do a TV show. We have things on our website. But even more importantly, we'll talk to you. Our team will talk to you for free and give you the advice you need. And then you can decide what you want to do. But remember what I started with here, which is that this lady who was injured through no fault of her own is being offered $25,000. And I can tell you that after talking to her daughter for almost an hour, my valuation of the case was that it's probably worth in the vicinity of half a million dollars. So think it's, about that. If they didn't reach out to me, she could they could have signed a dotted line and 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 you know settle the case for twenty five thousand dollars as opposed yeah. to what I think it is, which is half a million dollars. 
Those uh, those benefits must be fairly common. You mentioned as family members. I mean, if you got someone who now you've got to do a lot of grocery shopping for them, maybe you've got to do stuff around the house, help them up and out of bed, maybe you cut the grass, shovel snow. Well, not shovel. Well, based on what the April's been, who knows? We we'll get snow in May. Could happen right. here. <laughs> but I mean, these are these are things that I, I would imagine are fairly common that people probably don't know they can quote unquote get paid for, for lack of a better term, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they don't know this. Oftentimes, they're being misinformed. Uh, you know, and, and people, what do they do generally? They go on, on websites. They, they go on, on Google. They, they, you know, what I like to say, they, they take the advice of Dr. Google. And, and the problem <laughs> is sometimes you're being sent to American websites where yeah. the laws are, are not necessarily the same in the U.S., you know, first of all, the damages award there are astronomical. We don't have the same thing here, which is even more of a reason why you need to make sure you have the right legal team on your side, because you need to make sure that the insurance company you're going up against is going to pay you every single penny that you are owed or that your family member is owed. Because if you leave money on the table, it's your money that you're leaving on the table, and that money goes to the insurance company directly. Now, Albert, you've dealt with those kinds of cases too. I mean, you must have seen this kind of stuff. What are the common issues you typically see when you when you advise people uh, in these contexts? I mean, I mean, it's very, very, very similar, and uh, you sort of hit the hit the nail on the head there when you said exactly how these adjusters typically are. I mean, they're really put up there as the first line of attack, right? And this is what every single insurance company is hoping. They're hoping that you're not going to consult a lawyer, get the actual advice for, a, for an actual valuation as to how much your claim is worth. They're hoping that you just speak with this adjuster and you can put, they can put that claim to rest and settle what's otherwise a $500,000 claim for $25,000. And I've seen that time and time again, just these very low evaluations from these adjusters, just hoping that they're going to prey on people who haven't had the opportunity to have proper legal advice. And so first and foremost, you have to speak with the lawyer. You also have to speak with the lawyer quickly because in many of these instances, I mean, we, we're speaking about uh, a, a slip and fall that happened in November here. Had, had, had this particular person not made the right notifications to either the city or to the occupier, Within, within the correct amount of time, they could be with, without a claim. They could run out of time to actually start their claim. With the city, usually it's about 10 days that you have to notify the city. And then anytime you slip and fall on just common property where it's not owned by the city, but it's owned by some regular person like you or I, you only have 60 days. That's not very much time. Guys, anytime you want to reach out as we get into a break, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address. And any other questions you have, you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com, free and anonymous, and you can check that out as well. we got more coming up here. Disability Law Show continues. Stand by. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto. All right, welcome back, Disability Law Show. Thanks for joining us here on a uh, Friday evening. Good to have you along. It's uh, Albert Klein, of course, Savannah Tamarkin, Sam Firu Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country, doing all the heavy lifting. As always, we got some questions, some emails with our uh, second segment coming up here in a bit, Savannah. But uh, you wanted to carry on from what we left off with with, uh, with Albert, right? Yeah, I wanted to focus specifically on something he said regarding timelines. And, mm-hmm. and it's a very, it's a crucial point that he made. 
because we do have strict timelines, not only for starting legal claims against whoever is responsible for the injury, uh, which is two years in Ontario, um, but also uh, very strict notice provisions. For example, if you're injured as a result of a slip and fall on uh, property that's owned by the city, you have 10 days to notify the city, the, the city clerk, under the Municipal Act. You have to advise them of the injury, where it happened, just give them details in writing. And if you don't do that, you could potentially face a problem down the road, even if you start that legal claim for your injuries within that two-year period for starting claims. Um, so that's important, and also even in in you know uh, falls uh, in private prop or on private properties. You know there is a sixty day notice provision that you have to abide by. Now, as to whether or not these provisions you know are appropriate, whether or not we like them or not, it's beside the point. The issue here is that people need to understand, John, that if they're injured as a result of a slip and fall, even in a car accident situation, you want to get the necessary legal advice and recommendations on what your options are as soon as possible. I mean, the first thing you do, obviously, is get medical help if you're injured, obviously. But I think that the second thing you need to do after you deal with the medical emergency is actually get legal advice. And we're going to tell you straight out if you have a case or not. And that's really crucial and really key here because there are many firms out there, many lawyers out there who unfortunately will tell you you have a case when you don't necessarily have a very good case because they operate in a different way than we do. I'm not saying everyone does that, but I can tell you that even when I worked as a defense lawyer for insurance companies many, many years ago, I would see many, many law firms, unfortunately, take on cases which are obviously uh, not appropriate. You know, mm-hmm. where, where you know, the, 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 there's no liability, meaning that the person they're trying to go after is not responsible or maybe where the injuries are not significant. And, and sometimes you even see fraudulent claims. So I'm not talking about those folks. I'm talking about individuals who have been injured because of somebody's negligence, someone who did not take care of a property the way they should, especially the harsh winters that we have. You want to make sure that if you're injured, there's someone you love a friend of yours, a colleague, someone you know is injured, that they get the necessary legal advice immediately. And that's exactly what my team does. We give this advice to people day in and day out for free. You just got to reach out. Simple. Have a chat. will cost you nothing just to pick up a phone and say hi. It's uh, 1-855-821-5900. And again, help at disabilityrights.ca. When it comes to, uh, Savan and, and Albert, when it comes to car accidents involving pedestrians, happens all the time. There was just one the other day here in the GTA. Happens all the time. Is the law any different? I mean, who pays the initial benefits like income replacement, et cetera, stuff like that? So, so I mean, that does depend on the scenario here. If you're dealing with a pedestrian, so let's say you have a situation where somebody's crossing the road appropriately and then a car hits them. Maybe they right. were making a right-hand turn. Whatever happens, they hit them, and this individual is now injured. Uh, so typically in that situation, it's the insurance company of the vehicle that struck the pedestrian that has to pay these initial benefits. It's income replacement benefits, it's medical rehabilitation benefits, any other kinds of benefits are entitled to that are called accident benefits. Uh, it's, it's the automobile insurer of whoever was responsible for the accident. Now, that's very different in a situation where you have two cars, one hits the other car. So in a situation, to give you an example, John, that you and I are on separate cars, I hit your car, let's say I re-rendered your car, you're injured, your insurance company, your automobile insurance company is going to pay you accident benefits, but you may have a claim, depending on the severity of your injuries and the impact of those injuries on you and your life, uh, you may have a claim called a tort claim against me. 
the person who was responsible for the accident. And that's a different claim than the accident benefits claim that every individual who's injured by a car uh, is owed under the laws in Ontario. Albert, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think well, of course, Savannah is right. But uh, generally speaking, it's usually a good idea, regardless of what happens, if you do have your own automobile insurance and you, you've been paying your own premiums, regardless of what happens, you can always contact your own insurer. And sometimes they'll provide you with some benefits in the meantime, even though they're not actually responsible for it. And then you'll, you'll let the insurance companies figure it out and... At, at a very minimum, you're at least getting the benefits that you need to sort of help you help you get the treatment you need and help sort of cover some of your different income replacement benefits that you may need while you're off of work. But other, otherwise, generally speaking, the law is a little bit different when it comes to car accidents involving pedestrians because the standard for what you need to prove, which is generally a legal, a legal concept, is a little bit less. So if you are a pedestrian and you are hit, it's actually the person who hit you. It's their responsibility to prove that they are not responsible for hitting you. Whereas when you're in a car accident and you get hit by another car, you actually have to prove that that car is responsible for hitting you and injuring you. So it's a distinct difference that, uh, that legally speaking, makes it easier for you to fight claims when you're hit as a pedestrian. Guys, want to move on to an email here. By the way, email anytime, not just during this half-hour show. It is help at disabilityrights.ca. Phone number 1-855-821-5900. Blake is our guy. says, uh, I've had physical jobs all my life as a building contractor, and a few months ago I fell on ice outside a mall in Brampton, Ontario, and broke my right knee. I had surgery and was told that the injury is permanent because of the damage caused. I didn't have any issues with that knee before, but I've had a knee replacement in my other knee a couple of years ago. I'm 52, and I'm afraid now that I won't be able to do the work I've been doing for the past 20 years where I've earned good money. What should I do about that? Uh, am I owed any money by the owners of the mall where I fell? There was so much ice there. Even the security guard came over and said that it's pretty icy, and he called someone to put salt on the ground. Yeah, Blake, 100%. So I, I very sorry that you've gone through this. I mean, this is horrible. And, and John, I can tell you I've dealt with many knee injuries. When you have a knee replacement, you'll talk to orthopedic surgeons. They'll tell you, you know, the fact that you've had a knee replacement is not the end of the treatments or the end of the issue now. There's going to have to be revision surgery, most likely, 10, 15 years down the road. It depends on the person. But, you know, Blake already had an issue with the other knee. So now you can understand. And he's in the early 50s. It's not a good situation. And having physical jobs all his life, this is a significant claim, Blake. Because I can tell you that just your knee injury alone could potentially be worth from a compensation standpoint in terms of of pain and suffering. Let's say $50,000, $60,000, maybe even more than that. But really, to me, the big issue here uh, are two ticket items. Number one is the potential income losses you're going to suffer, that you're suffering now, you're going to suffer into the future. That's number one. Uh, we have to make sure we account for those losses and potential losses. And number two, it's the fact that you may now need certain treatments and you may not have benefits for those or you may not have enough benefits for those through, through your work benefits. And again, these kinds of injuries, John, when you need a knee replacement, we have surgery, they require significant rehab. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the kind of treatments you're getting are not just to repair and to get you back on track to where you were before the injury. Sometimes it's just to keep the pain in check. 
or to keep your mobility going. You know, so those kinds of treatments can go on for, for forever, you know, uh, until the end. So it's really important to understand that. Now, I want to touch on what the security guy told you, Blake. You know, one of the first things we tell people, of course, when you're injured, you focus on the injury, understandably so. If you are not are, are in no position at that point because of your injury, because of what's happened, because of the shock, to take photos or videos with your phone of the area where you fell, as soon as you can, try and get a family member or friend to go to the exact area and document the state of the area. Because I can tell you that when we don't have documentation, we don't have photos or videos, it becomes, in many instances, a he said, she said, yeah. right? You're going to have a winter maintenance contractor who suddenly comes up with all these records and says, no, 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 we were just there an hour ago. We spread salt all over. We took care of the place. If you have photos and videos of the area, and I've had that happen, that shuts them down completely, right? It eliminates this whole issue of us having to prove uh, that they're at fault. I mean, you still have to prove that, but it becomes a much easier thing to do when you have photos and videos. Uh, and if you don't have that, again, it becomes a he said, she said in many instances. And of course, a security guard here, I mean, if that person will put... Uh, what he said to, to Blake in writing, I mean, that's gold, right? So at that yeah. point, it becomes a damages case. Again, though, you want to make sure that the people who own the place, the owner uh, of the mall or whoever's responsible is notified ASAP. So again, very important to understand. There's many issues here, Blake. We can talk after the show about what to do, but you have a case here in the six figures. Again, I don't say this about every case, John, but some cases, you know, you got to understand these are not small cases. This can be, these can be very, very big, big cases and you need to get the legal advice, the proper legal advice, as soon as possible. It's interesting, too, because the reason you know somebody might want to reach out or everybody should reach out in this sort of case, it may not just be as cut and dry as owner-contractor. There could be lots of fingers in that pie that are going to be responsible for what happened to Blake, right? Subcontractors, so on and so forth, right? Yeah. Uh, in fact, I think, uh, uh, Albert, you've been dealing with a case recently, right, where there's a lot of finger pointing, if I'm not mistaken, by the defendants. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the we're 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 quite far, far along down in our case now, but we've actually gone to the process which we call discoveries, where we actually get the opportunity to question the different entities. And so here we're questioning the owner of the plaza. We're also questioning the contractor, the subcontractor, and it's amazing because all of them are really pointing pointing fingers at each each different entity. So the plaza is saying it was the subcontractor's fault, the subcontractor saying it's the contractor's fault, and the contractor is pointing fingers at the plaza. So at the end of the day, we know that we're going to be able to establish liability of the fact that it was one of their uh, one of these entities' faults. But it, uh, it, it's, it's very interesting because these are all entities that pre previously had a relationship, and now they're saying we're... we're we're not the ones who caused it. You are. So it, 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 it's a great situation for our client. We know we're going to get paid. It's only a matter of time. Guys, with that, we are going to rock and roll for another Friday night. You want to reach out to either Albert or Savannah, the respective teams. You can do that anytime. Please don't even hesitate. Just make that phone call and uh, and have a chat. 1-855-821-5900, the number, the email address we use. Thank you, Blake, by the way, is help at disabilityrights.ca. And for more questions, mydisabilityquestions.com. You can ask them there anonymously, by the way. And mem uh, memos on LTD, really simple to navigate. I know Savannah loves it. LTD FAQ. Dot ca. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show.
The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 640 Toronto.